Buckaroo. Holiday. Buckaroo. Holiday. Hello and welcome to Buckaroo Holiday. I'm foregoing the usual novelty opening this time. Just kind of not there. You know, to my surprise, the listenership has fallen in recent weeks. I would have expected the opposite. I'm not sure why. Maybe I'm not delivering or too much competition, maybe. All these Skype concerts and whatnot. I don't know. But I thank you, friends, who do return. And there's still a bunch here. Friendships are important. Recently, some have abruptly ended for me. Even some I would have considered family. So it goes. All of that had nothing to do with the Wuhan plague. But, of course, there's that, too. So you got, uh, you know, we're, we're locked up in these houses, apartments, and we got social media. It's an awkward, graceless term already, but it's also ill-suited to what seems to actually happen with all the kind of tribalism and road rage that tends to take place. So any usefulness that might have has been nullified for me. It feels like going to the park to take a break from life. And then you find it filled with people on soapboxes orating loudly and vehemently. Wrong park, I guess. They don't seem to like it. Maybe I know the wrong people. Maybe they know the wrong person. I think it's just the times. There's been a whole lot of unfriending and unfollowing. Acquaintances, absolute strangers. People I've known for a really long time. People I love for their individual, unique selves. People I enjoy for their particular views of life. Interests, perspectives. You know, when you're with a friend and you're being yourselves, fired by enthusiasms, sharing that reassuring give and take of trust, mutual enjoyment, waves of connection that remind you that you're alive, that's when God is present, which is just a word for something I can't describe. And don't let it throw you. I'm not talking about the fingering of rosary beads, this deliberate, solitary, analgesic repetition of memorized words. Not davening, bowing toward the city of truth. I'm not talking about any anything like that. I'm not also not talking about any collective, transcendent frenzy. And I'm probably being tiresome. Point is, uh, I know we're all in pain, and um, maybe we don't agree on the way to deal with it. So this is how I deal with it. And I offer it to you in friendship if you want it. And I hope you enjoy it.
Thank you. 
You just heard two pieces by the English composer Sir William Walton showing two sides of his work. Each one was kind of short, so I thought I'd break with usual habit and play two things by the same person. Last one was called Touch Her Soft Lips and Part. And the previous piece was Country Dance, which is one of the backing pieces for a, an entertainment, as he called it, called Facade, in which various performers would recite poems by Edith Sitwell with miniature chamber pieces accompanying them. And I think uh, whimsical poetry is nice for uh, an entertainment, but uh, it can get old. Knowing this, I think Walton prepared some suites of just the music, and I like it that way. That was one of them. Real nice. It's uh, like a like a piece of candy. And another confection was supplied to us by Leslie Gore, my favorite of her many, many hits, Look of Love, and Count Basie and his orchestra with blues from Haas's flat. You might recall that it was the basis for a scene from Jerry Lewis's movie The Errand Boy, one of his really great ones, where he's sitting alone in a boardroom pretending to be the big cheese, giving out commands to his imaginary subordinates. Sometimes it feels that way sitting here, just talking as if you're in front of me and I'm having a conversation. I'm going to try to change that a little later in the show because I'm actually going to have a guest on today's show. Yeah, a guest. I also should note that in an upcoming show, I'm going to feature a friend of mine, Jim Allen, who is a widely published music journalist, a highly respected music journalist, as well as a great songwriter and performer, and a damn good friend to keep with today's topic. Before everything got shut down, he actually came here and did an interview with me for this uh, thing about my songs, that having such difficulty getting together on my own. We talked at some length, so that has to be finessed into something listenable. Most of my wool gathering excised, and we will present that soon. But we'll have another guest later on. But right now, I want to play. I, I know there's some of you who really dig the doo wop type stuff I play, and I'm going to play one now. Although it's not strictly doo wop, it's kind of proto soul, and it's also Chicano variation of that. A band from San Antonio, Texas called the Royal Jesters. A great, great group formed in 1958, and they lasted for decades. They moved through all different styles of music from this doo-wop soul type stuff through more straight-up soul, through a kind of a Santana Malo horn-driven thing in the late 60s. Then they went strictly Spanish language, playing Tejano music after that. But they've... uh, flown under the radar as far as mainstream culture, but uh, very popular in their world. Here's one reason why.
So, in order of appearance, we had the Royal Jesters with I Won't Love You. And then we had, uh, from just south of the border, in Mexico, Ernesto Hill Olvera. He was hit by lightning at the age of seven and lost his eyesight. But later on, he took up the organ, became a very popular organist, made some film appearances. As you might have noticed there, he used a talk box like Alvino Ray or Peter Frampton later on. And then it was Dexy's Midnight Runners, Tell Me When My Light Turns Green, from the Masterpiece album, Searching for the Young Soul Rebels. One of the things about Kevin Rowland and Dexy's Midnight Runners at that time was that Rowland, who was, of course, certifiable, right? Uh, but a great band, great vision. He insisted that his records have that uh, have that northern soul sound, like those old records he loved dancing to. And he thereby avoided that weird property of all 80s records that they just sound like crap and never fit into any other context. They can play records from all different eras and they sound fine next to each other, except for most 80s records. They always sound lousy. But those Dexys records sound great and are great. So onward. I have this friend, Ron McFarlane. He's a friend of mine and the shows, and uh, we've never met, but we chat online periodically. He's a great guy, and he and I were recently discussing library music, you know, production music, which you hear so frequently on this show. We were wondering why so many of these sort of throbbing gristle types, these, these really uh, avant-garde, edgy type of artists were attracted to library music, which had this optimistic kind of sound that seemed to be at odds with what they did. And I guess, you know, there might be an irony factor in that. The way a lot of people hear industrial musical stuff as strictly ironic, strictly campy, implying some kind of critique of capitalism. Who knows what else? I don't know. And it could be true that people like the late Genesis Prage were commenting by using that stuff, but I think it's more because of what a resource it is. The, uh, there's such a variety of things, so many great composers and musicians working on those albums, covering so many decades. It, you could really build a career, and some have, on just bits of library production music albums. I think it's a perfectly valid thing to use is to me it's just like using blues chord changes or something like that it's a, it's a kind of a ready-made but you can work it however you wish copyright issues get a little stupid these days i think they don't really apply anymore in my opinion but that's controversial and i can see both sides of it anyway uh i'm gonna play some library type stuff one of them is a track by a producer named blockhead does a lot of production and remixes of hip-hop records, I guess, and dance music. DeWolf, which is one of the major record companies that do library music, invited him to do an entire album based solely on samples from their records. What I like about it is that it's... I, I like hip-hop generally without the rap. I don't like rapping. Um, there are exceptions, a lot of them, but by and large... That's what I can't stand about it. I like the tracks. I like the dislocation. I like the layering of things. I like the uh, I like the feel of those tracks. I could listen to the Neptune stuff forever without any of the uh, like front artists on the records. 
And then I'm going to play... At first, I'm going to start, though, with a track that was my introduction to jazz. It was, a, I guess I was a teenager. I was newly hired at Sam Goody Records, and my boss was a jazz freak. And one day he was playing in store a Blue Note double album called The Complete Genius, which was Thelonious Monk tracks from the 1940s, including this track, which was originally released as a Milt Jackson record with Thelonious as composer and sideman. Mysterioso. I had never heard anything like it in terms of jazz. It really drew me into Thelonious Monk's music and subsequently the world of jazz, so it was a great gateway drug for me. But the thing was, what attracted me to it is, to me, it sounded like production music or cartoon music.
Dennis Yost. Or is it Yast? Or is it Yust? And his band Classics 4 with Stormy. I dig Classics 4. I had tickets to see a Classics 4 performance. It was going to be um, Classics 4, um, Tommy James and the Shondells, and the Buckinghams. But alas, it was canceled. We all know why. Just like that Robin Hitchcock show that I was talking about. We had a bunch of people going to that. Looked like it was going to be a great night. Yeah, what can you do? There there will be other great nights. I trust. But anyway, that's set. Uh, you just heard I dedicate to my buddy Ron up in Canada. And before Classics 4 doing Stormy, you heard two titans of library music. Alan Parker and Alan Hawkshaw doing a number called Sweet Dreams. And before that was one of the tracks from that Art of the Sample album by Blockhead, Coastline Cruising, and Milt Jackson with Thelonious Monk at the top.
Hypnotic Brass Ensemble, which is a bunch of brothers from Chicago. When I say brothers, I mean they had the same father. Doing a piece called Toussaint, which I'm assuming is a tribute to Alan Toussaint, the late, very, very great producer, composer, performer. So I followed that track with one of his optimistic, characteristically optimistic numbers, You Will Not Lose, from his great Southern Nights album. And then after that was the Moody Blues with Are You Sitting Comfortably? I've been doing a lot of that. Kills motors, kills motors, kills motors, kills motors. Airwick, Airwick, a great new discovery. Airwick, Airwick, kills kitchen motors quick. Kills fish, cabbage, onion odors, even stale tobacco odors. Every kind of household odor has to vanish quick. Cause Airwick... Kills holders, airwick, kills holders, kills holders, kills holders, kills holders, kills holders. Sure, folks, airwick. It's the little bottle with the magic wick that kills unpleasant odors, whether fish, cabbage, onions, cauliflower, or from burned foods. And of course, in the living room, airwick keeps the odor of stale tobacco smoke out of upholstery and draperies. And you know, airwick is so simple to use, it's like magic. There's nothing to light and nothing to spray. Just uncap the bottle and pull up the wick. Ask your dealer for airwick. A-I-R-W-I-C-K. Kills odors, kills odors, kills odors, kills odors. So as I mentioned before, we have a special guest here in the studio. And I'll introduce him to you now. His name is Miles Murphy. Hello there. I'd like to thank you for making it to the studio today. I know it's uh, trying conditions. Long walk. All the way down the stairs. Uh, Miles is my son, and we're going to uh, be playing... We've been talking for a while, right, about uh, playing some stuff? Yeah, you like mentioned that you wanted to do this on like the second ever one. Yeah. And <laughs> we've been putting it off for so long. <laughs> the thing is that when we go on these road trips, as I mentioned in previous shows... Uh, we always, everybody takes a turn uh, playing a favorite song, and there's a lot of uh, things I've discovered that way. <coughs> so I thought it might be a nice idea to have Miles in here uh, occasionally to uh, play some th- things that he enjoys and uh, talk about them a little bit. And we'll probably do the same with Lily if she wants to. Um, there's a toilet flushing. <laughs> there's, a t- there's a toilet flushing. So, hi, Miles. Hello. Tell me about the music that you listen to. I listen to, like, all sorts of stuff, really. Uh, uh, there's not many genres I don't really see much merit in. I listen to a lot of rock and a lot of uh, electronic stuff, some Japanese stuff, top of that. Right, and we've, we've listened to a lot of music that you've discovered through gaming. 
a lot of video game soundtracks are surprisingly good. Because originally we were going to, um, I think, do a thing on Undertale songs, yeah. the game Undertale, and we probably still will do that, but uh, Miles Miles had a preference to go with a, f- a favorite here today. This is a, a band I really like called Tally Hall, a group of five guys from Michigan, and they stopped making songs a while back, but most of them still make music just separately now. Are we sure that they're broken up, or are they just in hiatus, or is it, like, unknown? It... It's like a hiatus, but like they—it's like a hiatus. Some they joke about making a third album on like Twitter and stuff occasionally, but they like haven't like gone and recorded. Sometimes like two of them will like do a collaboration. Like uh, one of them, Joe Hawley, did a thing with their bass player Zubin. Um, I'm not going to try and say his last name because it's. Scary. Is there like a Lennon McCartney thing here where they'll all play with each other except for those two guys? Is there any of that going on? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something with uh, one of them named Rob. Rob Cantor. He's the guy that made that Shia LaBeouf orchestral crazy YouTube video right. viral a few years back. Um, he's he does a lot of work for Disney now, so. Um, uh, Disney might not let him do stuff, but he still made another album even after being hired by Disney, so mm-hmm. I, I doubt that's the case. We had played a uh, track on a previous episode of this, and a lot of people commented to me that they really liked it. It was from uh, Hawaii Part 2. Yeah, Hawaii Part 2. That's a... Uh, that's an album that mo- that they all worked on that wasn't technically Tally Hall. A bunch of other people collaborated with them, but everyone, but like a lot of the people that worked on it were from Tally Hall. Most of the people that worked on it were from Tally Hall. Okay, so it was like Ringo's album. Ringo did an album where all the Beatles were on it, mm. but there was no Beatles track. Mm. You know, John Lennon wrote a song, and George Harrison played on a bunch of things, and Paul McCartney did this and that, but they were never all together. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like uh, Andrew Horowitz, the keyboard player, would, like, do some of, like, the keyboard tracks. And Joe Hawley was, like, the lead of the whole project, did most of the vocals. And, and where'd you say they were from, by the way? Uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. A big rock and roll town. <laughs> it is. It is? It's a huge rock and roll town. It's a lot of uh, the most influential rock, especially the late 60s, but even early 60s, uh, Mitch Ryder and all that. Tally Hall, um... Tally Halls, they, they took their name because there was a food court in a mall near their college where they all met called Tally Hall that had a, a, a business right next to it called Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum. Mm-hmm. And then the and then food court closed down and Marvin, the guy that owned the Marvelous Mechanical Museum, uh, packed up shop and moved somewhere else. So the, the museum's still there, but Tally Hall, the food court, is gone. But so they named their band after the food court Tally Hall, and their first album was called Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum. Okay. Now you and I um, have shared a lot of musical tastes. Uh, you must uh, you must have had a lot of uh, important musical influence growing up with with your dad, right? You must you must really be grateful to, <laughs> for yeah. having grown up with with the, the, the dad you have. I'm I'm glad it's not Matt Stag because he has terrible taste in music. I hope he doesn't hear this. <laughs> he might scold you. 
<laughs> but yeah, we've we've shared a lot of uh, stuff together, and I remember we when we got the Smile album, we we listened, listened to, to it together. together in its entirety. That was nice. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I hear a lot of Van Dyke Parks and Brian Wilson influence in Talent Hall. Do you? Um, I can definitely hear that there's a lot of influence. The their style is sort of a chimera of a bunch of other people's style and work all mm-hmm. thrown together, even more than the degree that most people are influenced by right. other musicians or artists in their field. Yeah, they do jump around. I hear a lot of uh, old music influences. They uh, draw a lot of the 30s and 40s music. and uh, Yeah, they do a lot of barbershop quartet type yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, what are we going to hear? This song is going to be one that they never actually released on an album, but they released a few demos of called I'm Gonna Win. It was later finished by Rob Cantor on his solo album, but we're going to be listening to the demo version by Tally Hall. Demo version. Cool. Was it called again? Oh, oh Jesus, the fucking phone again. Hold on. <laughs> My life is a constant entrapment of tunnels which tangle and wind and beguile. And regardless of where I may tumble or funnel, I wonder what's really worthwhile. Sometimes it can seem like a merciless stream, and I'm falling with nothing to hold. Sometimes I get flustered and beaten and blistered, abandoned outside in the cold. But I'm gonna win. I'm gonna try. I'll never lose. Again, I'll never give up.
So that was a demo, you said? Yeah, they uh, never released on an album because they only ever made two. Now, see, uh, we'll probably listen to another Tally Hall song because I want to compare for people, but the uh, thing I like about that is that it is a demo, and a lot of their music is meticulously produced. Oh, yeah, so many layers of things that you would never notice. Like, I, I remember seeing a video Tally Hall made where they... Uh, about their song Ruler of Everything, which you can put on some other podcast, but um, they were like pulling a prank on their producer for their label and saying that the files for the song got corrupted and all the horns in one part mm. got deleted and that the song didn't sound like itself without it. And before that video, I had never noticed that there were horns in that song because mm-hmm. they're so like layered into it. Right, right. Like just so noise. Right, they do a lot of that, I noticed. They, 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 they filter the hell out of their voices a lot of the times and everything yeah. like that. And that's kind of cool, but it's also nice to hear them as a, as a band, like, like old people like me are used to hearing. Yeah, and, and uh, since they had four singers, everyone but their drummer, uh, Ross, sang as well as played their... You don't want to let the drummer sing. <laughs> you, you, you can't let that happen. It, 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 can't, it can't be permitted. Ah, uh, yeah, because... Uh, other than you're the Eagles. Yeah. You know, we can't, we can't let people be the Eagles. <laughs> so a lot of their songs, they could really actually replicate the studio version live. With, uh, a lot of their songs have dialogues back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Ruler of Everything has, like, like, three characters all, like, conversing. And they were able to do that on stage to the same degree because four people could be singing at once to make a really odd-sounding harmony that made it sound filtered, mm-hmm. or they could do the back and forths. All right, so maybe we should play an example of something that, that is more typical of their recordings. So uh, we'll you know maybe do another song with the kind indulgence of our listeners. <laughs> Let's hear another Tally Hall piece. Sure. Um... I guess I've been mentioning a lot of Ruler of Everything, so do you want to do that one? Ruler of Everything. Okay, here we go. Tally Hall. Tally Ho! Standing so close, I saw you 
by Tally Hall. Uh, that song, there's like parts where literally all of them are singing at once, so it's but like in like a very subtle harmony, so you can't tell it's multiple people, but it's not like a placeable voice to any one person, mm -hmm. which I think is a neat effect. They do that a lot. There's that part in the middle where, um, you know, it's the back and forth between like, you know, I've been living a lie and, you know, that. The whole song is about how the is about how time is the controller of our lives. Indeed. Indeed it is. Trust me. <clears throat> <In a flip. clears> throat> that was when I should clear my throat. You don't want to have, have a lot of throat clearing on a, on a broadcast right now at this moment in time. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been kind of stuck here in the house. How's that going for you? Uh, it's getting kind of boring. I wish I could have some of my friends over at least to do stuff. But How about the novelty of not being in school? I'm pretty much used to that because of last year, how everything went with that. Uh -huh. That's a story for another day. But you were saying that you were uh, actually kind of wanting to go back, What's shockingly enough. Wanting to go back? I mean, I'd be fine with it at this point. Mm. More of, I just wish it wasn't that it was like a, such a serious quarantine situation that, you know, I could like... Like, go and do the things I did that weren't in school, but not in the house. Yeah, like, yeah, right, playing, playing Dungeons and Dragons with your friends and go-karting and... Yeah, all yeah, that stuff. Right. Now, uh, 
Before I let you go, uh, I'm probably going to play another song today that was uh, an odd experience this morning because I was discovering this guy. I had never heard of him before. His name is uh, Cosmo Sheldrake. And as I'm listening to it, I was like, uh, well, Miles would probably like this. When he gets up, i got to turn him on to it. And I felt like I was going to be a real big shot (laughs) and spread my musical knowledge with you. And... I already listen to him all the time. Yeah, so I was just I was just being a real lamo <laughs> coming in with old news, but uh, he's a uh, well. We'll talk about him later. But um, next time maybe we'll do the Undertale thing. Cool. And go through some of those themes. Um, yeah. Anything else you'd like to share with the listenership before we go? Um. No.
Ray's original version of a song that George Harrison later had a big hit with. I got my mind set on you. It's gonna take money. A whole lot of spending money to be able to improve the situation here and get good sound if I'm having a guest in the studio. Yeah, but don't hold your breath. This is a non-profit. <laughs> and uh, I initially had that idea to do a, uh, what, a Patreon? But uh, I quickly realized that that probably wouldn't yield very much cash. So, may have to deal with crappy sound. You get what you pay for, folks. I hope it didn't ruin the pleasure of listening to my son, Miles, talking to me about some music that he likes. I'm honored that Miles wanted to join me for this thing. And I look forward to doing more things like that. Did you hear that banging? That's him drumming upstairs right now. He wants to be a drummer. <laughs> Lily doesn't seem interested in doing the podcast stuff with me. That's okay. She's Mike shy. Speaking of shyness, let's play some introspective things. I'm going to play an introspective set because that's a frequent kind of a mode we find ourselves in these days. Maybe I will start with a forgotten figure from the early 60s folk movement, Joe Mapes.
recording that's from an lp by a group called the medi bemsters who are a collegiate vocal group kind of like the yale glee club or the um the whiffen poofs they're from bowden college up in maine and they did this self-released album sometime in the late 60s or early 70s and that song far side of the hill was from that it's their arrangement of a folk song and that recording sounds like that because the record was given to me by a girlfriend I had at the time. This was the early 80s. She picked it up at a thrift store, and most of it was kind of stupid, but that track really stuck with me. I think it has a really tender feeling. There's an earnestness, and um, it's not too pro, it's not too slick. I like that. And then before that was Joe Mapes, as I said. She, she was around for a while in the early 60s, and then she retired, I think around 1964, from the stage. But she continued in music, writing jingles for TV and performing them as well. Then later on, I think she became a journalist. But going back to the other one for a second, the girlfriend who gave that record to me, uh, that relationship didn't work out. But that's okay, because now I'm in a relationship that has worked out. So far, anyhow. And I'm going to play another folk song from that same approximate era. And this is a favorite of my wife's. My wife, Shelly. So, to her, with love. Let 
Let the river rock you like a cradle Climb to the treetops, child, if you're able Let your hands tie a knot across the table And touch the things you cannot feel And close your fingertips And fly where I can't hold you Let the sun rain fall And let the dewy clouds enfold you And maybe you can sing to me The words I just told you all the things you feel ain't what they sing Then don't mind me Cause I ain't nothing but a dream The mockingbird sings each different song Each song has While the church bell tolls its one-note song And the school bell is tinkling to the throng Come here where your ears cannot hear And close your ears, child, and listen to what I'll tell Follow in the darkest night The sounds that may impel you And the song that I am singing May disturb or serve to quell you If all the sound you hear ain't what they sing Then don't mind me Cause I ain't nothing but a dream Rising smell of fresh cut grass Smothered cities choke and yell with fuming gas I hold some grapes up to the sun And their flavor breaks upon my tongue Come taste and smell the waters of our time And close your lips, child, so softly I might kiss you Let your flower perfume out and let the winds caress you As I walk on through the garden I am hoping I don't miss you If all the things you taste ain't what they seem Then don't 
yapping after I've played only one song but I think I'll just comment on that one and then I'm gonna probably run a bunch of things you know these shows are a little weird to do right now you would think it would be easier with all this endless time at home but everybody else is home too and there's a whole lot of stress and um, well, you know life's different you know that so I hope the shows aren't too half-assed for those of you who come to them for some kind of respite from the very stress I'm talking about. I'm sure you can appreciate this situation. But uh, that song, uh, I played Richie Havens recently, uh, his children's song from Sesame Street. So you would think I'm some kind of huge fan playing this stuff. I am a fan, but I don't know a lot of his stuff. I know this one is a milestone of his, and it's kind of a poetic number. It was written by a guy named Jerry Merrick. What makes it a kind of poetic number, really, to me, is the quality of Richie Haven's performance. I think it would sound kind of dippy coming from another performer, maybe like a bright, elusive butterfly of love type stuff, but it, it, Havens invests it with something that feels really important and real. And when I say poetic, I, what I mean is the art of carefully complicating a very simple idea or image so that someone else can actually perceive it directly. If that makes any sense. You know, there's a part in this song where he sings about holding grapes up to the sun and their flavor breaks upon his tongue. To me, that's a remarkable moment in music. He conveys something really ordinary and really ecstatic there. That's, uh, that's real religion, too. And uh, summoning the craft to, that it takes to deliver that kind of thing is kind of an act of friendship, don't you think? My son keeps drumming and drumming up there. Anyway, I'm going to play a bunch of stuff in a row here. I'm going to start with a prelude for car horns, Hong Kong horns, by Georgie Ligeti. And then who knows, I'll let it rip after that. I'm just going to play a bunch of crap. Thank you. 
Magic Melody, number 13.
was a free tune. And now, number 56. With friends around and even pals that I know are true. Still I'm lonely, homesick and blue. Share me when I'm alone Longing for my Mississippi home Way down in the Delta On that Mississippi shore In that muddy water I long to be once more When night shadows creep about and the whippoorwills call You can hear old mammy shout Come in here you all Way down on the levee Strolling in the pale moonlight You can see those steamboats And the fields of snowy white There's a feeling I can't lose that muddy water in my shoes When I get that Mississippi Delta blue Deodalee, 
hear them darkest sing those old melodies. Swanee River and old Black Joe. That sweet magnolia perfume floating on the breeze. Way down south is where I long to go. Way down in the Delta On that Mississippi shore In that muddy water I long to be once more When night shadows creep about And whippoorwills call You can hear old Mammy shout Come on in here you all Way down on the levee, strolling in the pale moonlight, you can see those steamboats and the fields of snowy white. There's a feeling I can't lose, that muddy water in my shoes. When I get that Mississippi Delta blue, the
That sure was a load of stuff, huh? Okay, I guess we'll work backwards. Um, the last thing you heard was a short-lived early prog band called Titus Grown. That was from about 1970 or 71. And maybe it just reflects something that was in the air at the time. But to me, it sounds a little bit like the very early uh, Steely Dan stuff. You know what I mean? Like Dirty Work or Dallas. It has a little of that to it. And before that, there was a piece of incidental music from the movie Pillow Talk with Rock Hudson and Doris Day. I love those movies. And that was written by Frank Duvall. Happy kind for anybody who remembers uh, Martin Mull's Fernwood tonight. The great Jimmy Rogers with Mississippi Delta Blues might have been his last recording. I might be wrong about that, but if it wasn't the last one, it was one of them. We had one of these bands I used to read about, Melody Maker, and we never heard on this side of the ocean. Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch with Bendit. You might have thought you heard some Irish music before that, but it wasn't. It was Austrian. Uh, it was an act called Bilvesh. Um, Bilvesh. I don't know. B-I-L-W-E-S-S B-I-L-W-E-S-Z The piece was called Hopper M. You had Dave Lambert singers. Dave Lambert, of course, with uh, Hendrix, John Hendrix and Annie Ross. Did all that kooky vocalese type stuff. That was the individualist waltz. And the ligaty with the prelude for car horns. And at bit points through there, you heard bits from an old record from a game. It was the 1950s home version of Name That Tune, and it had this cool little record with all these little bits on it. Getting close to where we should wrap this up, I did want to play something because I'd mentioned it before. It's a recent discovery for me. Cosmo Sheldrake. This is the one my son Miles was already hip to. He's the son of a famous... What would you call him? Uh, I know that a lot of people I know would call him a quack. But he was a biologist and, I guess, a philosopher of sorts. He's come up with this theory, morphic resonance, about the way that species learn to uh, acquire skills almost telepathically. It's a very strange system. I, I you know, I, I think there's some merit in what he says. And if it isn't like literal merit, there's a um, poetic merit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Look into him if you're into that kind of stuff. Uh, but his son is pretty interesting, and I think he's been influenced by his father's interests because a lot of his songs seem to deal with uh, critters, creatures, this metaphysical approach to the natural world, and he is hung up on sounds and working with sounds, manipulating sounds, stuff we can all agree are wholesome and worthwhile pursuits. So before the show ends, I'm going to play some Cosmo Sheldrake. Before that, I just want to play another piece of library music. It's by Arsen Gedik. It's called Ecstasy.
Cosmo Sheldrake's Axolotl, a piece that I think uh, is almost as charming and unusual as the beautiful critter that it's named after. But his stuff is well worth investigating, if you dug that at all. I figure it's time to end this. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're not succumbing to the ravages of fear, isolation, Uncertainty, inactivity, financial anxieties too, all of that. Hope you connect with your friends. Hope you consider me one of them. And uh, I think today I have one request. Pat Boyle, whose name comes up a lot around here, requested a song that I think is appropriate. And I'm going to play it here. It's kind of a mainstream song in a way. And that made me think to play another sort of mainstream song, maybe even more mainstream, along with it. A lot of times when we're hanging around at the schoolyard gents, having our whiskey-tasting nights, I have these weird mixes that I put together, music. And every once in a while, something very familiar will pop in, and it, it really kind of gives you a bit of a weird boost. Maybe just because it's familiar, it's kind of comfort food. Sometimes something familiar is what you need. I did a song before that uh, that George Harrison later covered, so I'm going to play something by George Harrison. I think both of these songs are uplifting, and we could use it right now. So I'm going to play them in a row, and then I'm out of here. So the second song you hear here goes by request to Pat Boyle, and I, and I send it with my love to his family, his children and his wife, and to your families and to your friends. I'll be back as soon as I can do something worth doing. Love to all. Take care of yourself.
After all, life's really funny that way. Sang the wrong melody, we'll play it back. See what it sounds like, hey, hey. They cut out eight bars, the dirty bastard. And I didn't know which eight bars he was gonna cut. Why don't somebody tell me these things around here? Holy Christ, I'm going off my nut. 